You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Also heard... Yes, heard on the airwaves in our beloved of Las Vegas, Nevada, on the bet. The bet, Las Vegas. Yes, you can hear us on the radio. Also an Odyssey radio station, by the way. So thank you for joining us if you're listening there. And I say us, it's me. I'm Scott Cobranson, your host, along with my co-host. And that is Mr. Mo Moten. Mo is the senior NFL writer at Bleacher Report. Also Raiders columnist at sportsnot.com where you can find my work as a writer as well. You can follow him on x.com at momoton, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. Say it with me, Midtown Mo. All right, there you go. You can follow me as well at LV Gully, and the show is SNB Today. Uh, Mo, what a week. It's already started off. Um, you know, the Raiders are still, there's a lot of conversations in the NFL, but there's Raiders are still a conversation in the NFL. Like people are talking about them just, and we're start, we're continuing to hear these stories about Josh McDaniels, which we'll talk about in a second, but overall, excuse me, my voice is kind of giving out on me, but overall, uh, this is good. Everything around them. People seem to be very happy for them. They see the players. I was on a couple of radio shows this week where people were like, I didn't like how they smoke cigars. So I, I channeled you. I didn't talk about <laughs> banging women, but I did. <laughs> I did. I did defend them because I said, "Hey, look, if they did this every week after now, uh, yeah, I might be like, okay, guys, what are you doing?" But in light of what happened, it made sense. Um, this kind of euphoria. Remember, there's a football game coming. It's the New York Jets. Of course, we saw the New York Jets uh, this past Sunday night. Excuse me, Monday night, and they uh, look terrible. They can't score. Their defense is still very good, though. So this Raider team's got to prepare. They got to focus on getting prepared for the Jets. Now they start practiced. They started to practice on Wednesday, of course, and um, you, you you get back into the rhythm of things. But any any concern on your part that all of this kind of oh you know the witch is dead, the wicked witch is dead, 
and moving on, or or you think uh, you think they'll be fine? You think they'll get through this and be like, okay, now it's time to get to business. I think it's already been about business. I think you're just seeing closer to what the Raiders team should be. Now, they're not going to score 30 points every week. I'm not trying to say that. But the team that we saw struggling to put up 21 on the scoreboard isn't the team I projected it to be. I believe we both were on the show and said the Raiders offense is good enough to score points with Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro, and Josh Jacobs in that offensive line mostly coming back. And we were surprised about their offensive struggles. We thought it was going to come from the defensive side of the ball, but the defense is actually making some strides. So with the defense making its strides and the offense looking more like it should look, I, I think it's the optimism is is palpable, but there's still some caution with Raider fans because, as we all know, Aiden O'Connell is still a rookie. Bo Hardegree is still a first-time play caller. So with that, you have, I don't want to say temper expectations, but you got to factor, at, factor that into what's happening going forward because now teams know, have an idea of what Bo Hardegree likes to do with his offense. Teams can get more film on Aiden O'Connell, and they can counter some of the things that the Raiders are trying to do. So, well, I think it's already all business. I will say this test against the Jets is a big test because, as you said, this is a top-level, elite-level defense, though I think they do have some issues in the, with their run defense. Yes, and listen, I know how Raider fans feel, at least the ones that talk to me. I shouldn't overgeneralize about Justin Herbert, but look what the Jets did to Justin Herbert. Held him to a 65 quarterback rating, 153 yards. Couldn't couldn't really get much going. Now you could oh it's because the Chargers suck. No, it's not just that. It's that defense is good, and and that's what keeps the Jets in games. I mean, if they could have scored any points, any points on Monday night, it would have been a much better game. So so I agree with you. I think the optimism for Raider Nation should continue. But it's hard. Every week is hard, man, in the NFL. I know. I mean, heck, you even play a bad team like Carolina. Anybody's capable of beating anyone on any given Sunday. So the Raiders got to keep that focus. And and they're kind of doing this victory lap. And it really is a testament to uh, the lack of leadership that they had under their former coach. And th- we heard the story. You and I talked about it on Tuesday's show, uh, the Jay Glazer story about uh, – about Pierce bringing up the Patriots and the Giants beating the Patriots, and then allegedly he said to Pierce not to mention the Patriots. Well, Max Crosby on Tuesday was on Bustin' with the Boys, of course with Will Compton, and said that the that story wasn't true. Now, he did say the story wasn't true. Wasn't He said that McDaniels didn't come out and tell him that. Now, they might have told each other. He might have told him that in private. We don't know, and Max Crosby didn't hear it. But it was interesting because some of these these stories, Josh McDaniels was so bad, Mo, that it's becoming like Paul Bunyan-like <laughs> legends about his badness. So so it might, you know, it's like the telephone game. It starts off, well, yeah, that is 100 degrees. Well, no, no, it's 200 degrees. It just keeps growing in its epicness because he was such a failure. Um, but it was interesting, and Max focused on Man, I was more I was a little more upset that people talked outside that room. Like nobody should stare at a story, even if there wasn't he said that wasn't true, but the fact that somebody would even say that. I you know, who knows what the truth is, but it's interesting that these conversations and then suddenly, by the way, do you think it's any accident, my friend, that the Raiders are suddenly doing more interviews? Not an accident. I told people this before. I said, I you know what I noticed after the Raiders win? Trayvon Merrick had a had a post on the X. 
Yeah. Josh Jacobs had a post on the X. Now he had some posts during his contract negotiations, but are you noticing that more Raiders are more active on social media? Jermaine Luminar has usually been active, but he was he even posted he was silent, after the win. But so, he just came back, yeah. Right. So Brandon Parker, who the Raiders just added back to their practice squad, had a post on the X. He's back with the team. So I, I think the whole, I don't want to call it, well, I'll say rumors about the Raiders had kind of a muzzle on them, couldn't really talk to the media or interact with the media under the Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziggler regime. I think there's some truth to that because now you're starting to see more players a little more vocal on their social media platforms, even though some of them had posts here or there. So I, like you said, there are going to be a bunch of stories that come out. There are going to be more stories. Wait till the off season. There are going to be more stories about Josh McDaniels <laughs> and his mannerisms because, but what I, what I will say about that is while we can't, confirm or deny any of those stories because you and I aren't there in the locker room. The players are. It's clear to me that he had an issue forming a bond and a relationship with his players and possibly some of his coaches. If yes. Ian Rapport's report about the coaches and players calling him out is true and basically holding him accountable when he wasn't accountable at some of these press conferences, it's clear to me that he still has a problem with people. Not, I would say problem with people, but a problem with relationships. He, no doubt he knows his X's and O's. He knows how to script an offense. You know, Raider fans would debate that right now because the way the Raiders yeah. offense had been performing so poorly. But part of being a leader is being able to connect with the people that you work next to. And clearly he struggles with that still. And, and I wrote about this. I wrote about, in my story on this, I wrote about the fact that as a leader, you can't just demand respect and loyalty. You can't just... You're not Saddam Hussein, okay? You're not somebody who's going to threaten you with death. You have to, you have to earn it, and you have to get people to believe in you. It's, it's not just a dictate. So you, you have to be able to get this. This is why you see Antonio Pierce doing so well with the players. We'll see how he does in the field, but how he's built that bond with the players that you don't get. You tell people to follow you, but that's not enough. They have to believe in you to follow you. So all of this coming out <clears throat> just goes to show you that it doesn't matter what you know about X's and O's. So let's say Josh McDaniels, which he didn't show that much either, but let's say he's an offensive genius. It doesn't matter. You have to get people to believe in you as a leader. And, and I think that the report came out too. It's, it's unverified, but I thought it was funny that reportedly one player said to him, I can't stand your face or something <laughs> along those lines. You know, you get in heated meetings and that happens and, and usually that's in private. So you, we don't hear about it. But oh that's what gosh. happens when you have a, a leadership vacuum, Mo, is you have that vacuum creates resentment and animosity. And that starts to permeate relationships with amongst the players, too. Right. They start to question each other. They start to question everything. And uh, it goes back to the decision, even though this was all as a result of Mark Davis hiring this guy. He made it right. He made the tough call. He wrote the, what, $80 million worth of checks just to get these guys out of the building. So you got to appreciate that. You got to appreciate the move forward. And I said, I've been saying this week about Antonio Pierce, he is saying everything right. I mean, to a T, it's remarkable, actually. When asked, you know, hey, you have an audition for this job. You have a chance to become the full-time coach. How do you think about it? He's like, I'm not worried. I'm worried about now. If you do now what you're supposed to and we work hard now, then I don't have to worry about that later. That'll happen, right? In essence is what he, I'm paraphrasing. And that's right, because you can't control what happens eight days from now. All you can control is today. And in a week-by-week -week league, 
he certainly has them focused on the right thing. Whether they respond consistently is the question. The funny thing is I wrote a piece about Antonio Pierce's pathway to the full-time job because a lot of people have been asking you know, us, mm-hmm. what is it going to take for Antonio Pierce to keep that job? So I wrote a piece up on Sports Night. It's up there right now. You can check it out. And I, and I know a lot of Raider fans brought this up when Antonio Pierce was named interim, but he could follow the same pathway as the late great Hall of Famer John Madden. So John Madden was a defensive coordinator at mm. San Diego State. Then he was the Raiders linebackers coach. Then he was the Raiders head coach. And I wrote and I highlighted that because you don't see that in today's NFL ro- no. world. Now, no. most of the time to get hired, you have to be a coordinator or you have to coach the offensive side of the ball. Just go down the line. Mike McDaniel, some of the recent hires that have come. Sean Payton is a retread, but he was the former play caller. Just Kevin, go down a lot of head yeah, coach. Kevin O'Connell. Kevin, Kevin O'Connell was the offense coordinator under Sean McVay, but he, you know, he, he worked with the quarterbacks, I guess. Uh, Taylor with the Bengals. He's another guy that was that was a quarterbacks coach. So nowadays in today's NFL, you either got to be calling the offense, calling the defense, D'Amico Ryan's in Houston. Or you have to be a position coach coaching the offensive side of the ball. So you don't see defensive position coaches become head, head coaches. So if the Raiders were to retain him, I wrote this in the piece, it would be an unprecedented hire because it just doesn't happen nowadays. Yeah. Nowadays, teams just want, we want the best offensive play caller because it's all about offense. It's all about scoring points. Or we want, we want a strong defense. D'Amico Ryan's again in Houston. So Antonio Pierce could follow in some rarefied air. John Madden, the late great John Madden did it in the 1960s. Let's see if Antonio Pierce can do it in the 2020s. <laughs> now you're going to get everybody fired up, Mo. There you go. There you go. Uh, but it's a great question, and, and the piece was awesome. I mean, I think, I think if you if you look at that, there's nothing to say it can't happen. It's just it's just an uphill battle because, especially like you said, you focused on today's NFL, right, and what's happening and how things kind of go down. Now that doesn't mean Mark Davis has to do that. Uh, but it would be hard to argue for him, even if the players love him to death, if if they win four games under his tenure, right? That would be tough. It would be a tough sell, I think. Even everybody would appreciate what he did and stepped in and how he got these guys in the right frame of mind. And I'm not saying that's what they're going to do is win just four more games. If he goes six and three, different story. If he goes, if, if it happens worse, whatever. But But they have... He has them believing. And so from that perspective, uh, leadership is so important. And and you can fill a guy in. He's got to be able to manage the game and whatnot. But you can fill in for him, too. We'll see what happens on the offensive side of the ball. If he were to get the job, you know, he could bring in a high-powered offensive guy. There's all sorts of ways to handle that. So I invite people to go ahead. The, the biggest obstacle for a person like Antonio Pierce or even a defensive guy is if you bring in a good offensive coordinator, he's going to get interviews within two years and probably be a head coach down the line. So you have to keep rotating through new offensive coordinators. So if you're going to be a head coach and you're not calling offensive plays, you better be able to identify some bright offensive minds because you're going to be cycling through coordinators every two to three years. Hey, Brian Dable might be available. <laughs> Who knows at this point because the Giants fans are definitely not happy. He's a but good offensive I, coordinator. I, I, I will say what else, what's also working in Antonio Pierce's favor, and I wrote this in the Sports Not piece, is the fact that Mark Davis's mindset going into this hiring cycle in the offseason. Sashawn Rio, the athletic shot to him, reported that 
Mark Davis was locked into Josh McDaniels before the offseason hit. So he had his yeah. mind made up that he was going to hire Josh McDaniels before the process even started. Mm-hmm. We heard stories about him chasing after Gruden for six to eight years before Gruden finally said yes. I believe it goes back to 2012. He wanted Gruden to coach the Raiders, and finally Gruden said yes in 2018. So this is a different process for Mark Davis where he says, these are his words, that he's got an open, a wide-open thought process when it comes to hiring in the offseason. Yeah, and I mean, that's going to be – it's going to be important. And and you remember when this all went down, I, I said he needed someone to guide him. I, I said <clears throat> he should hire a president of football operations, let that person hire them. He's not listening to me on that. But <laughs> but maybe, just maybe, he's doing it in a different way. Maybe he's got people he's talking to, and they weren't the same people that recommended Josh McDaniels, right? Uh, instead, they're they're more importantly uh, tied in with what's happened in the NFL, and and we haven't talked a lot about it. And I was a little skeptical at first, because uh, but looking more into and asking a couple people that we've had on this show as high level guests and asking them privately, there's a lot of people who believe that Champ Kelly can be a really really phenomenal GM in this league, and so. I think that's the other position we should talk about because I think he was a guy that had been groomed to become a GM. I mean, his time with Chicago, he did some things there and prior to that. So he's he's got, I think, an opportunity here. In fact, I'm almost ready to say that if they're able to finish the season strong, whatever that, however you define that, I would say a winning record over the last nine games if possible or at least respectable that he may end up keeping that job too. Um, Because again, he's there in the building. He's got time now with Mark Davis to earn his trust and to also earn the trust of the organization. Sounds like from what the little the players have spoken about, that this is a group of guys that, that, that trust one another. And he's part of that. So I wouldn't be surprised to see champ Kelly, whether or not it's, it's Antonio Pierce or not, how, depending how things happen on the field, I think, I think champ Kelly might end up getting this job too, Mo. This is not a paid advertisement for The Athletic, but shout out to Sean Reed again because he dropped another nugget about Champ Kelly and his piece, that same piece I talked about with Mark Davis's thought process. He said that Mark Davis, well, he I think he believe he quoted Mark Davis as saying he would have hired Champ Kelly if he hadn't brought in Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels as a package deal. So if he didn't if he didn't go the Patriot way and he just went with, you know, head coach A and, and general manager B from separate organizations, he basically said Champ Kelly would have had the job. So basically Mark Davis said there was no question that Champ Kelly was going to be the interim GM after letting go of Dave Ziegler. So I think you're right in saying that there's a very good chance that Champ Kelly could be the uh, full-time GM, it, you know, barring a disastrous end for their season because, as Mark Davis said in that piece from Tashawn in The Athletic, he was going to hire Champ Kelly if not Dave Z- if not Jay Ziegler and Josh McDaniels coming in as a package deal. Yes, and so so I think th- that'll be interesting to see this this relationship that's forged, uh, not the buddy buddy friendship fraternity brothers as I called Ziegler and McDaniel, but the idea if if Kelly and Pierce can create something over these next nine weeks that really gets this organization fired up, then uh, that would be something very cool. Uh, but it wouldn't be the same as these two guys that came in together. So it, it should be fun to watch, and I think that there's going to be a lot. We'll learn a lot about these guys to the end as well. But we did. I know. I know he didn't earn points by re-signing Brandon Parker. 
right? But he's making moves. I mean, look at the moves they made. Signed two linebackers right after the firing. Mm-hmm. Um, so clearly they're addressing things, and you can see how much. It's weird to think about the fact that McDaniels, knowing that he, the, the Garoppolo news too, you saw that report, that Ziegler did not want it. He thought it was a mistake to sign Garoppolo, but McDaniels wanted him, so he signed him. But what does that say for a GM? He deserved to get fired. If you're letting your coach push you around, in essence, and say, this is the quarterback we need, and you're trusting him with your job, shame on you. So, uh, and, and I said this on the X, not to cut you off, Scott, but no, it's okay. typically head coaches have short-term vision. I need these players right now to execute my system, my offense, yes. my defense. GMs have to have a long-term vision. How do we build this thing so it's sustainable for three to five years? We can't just think about the now. We have to build this thing so that it can extend beyond the season so we can be not just successful for one year, but successful for three to five years. And if you don't have that back and forth between GM and head coach and it's one-sided, then it's usually not a good operation. Absolutely. And it's weird. This is going to sound weird because one quarterback is not as bad as the other. <laughs> but we did our, our new sports not show called The Not Zone. Uh, it's a live show. And um, my hot take was how bad the signing of Geno Smith was for the Seattle Seahawks. Sh- again, short-term thinking. The Seahawks had, and I compare this to the Raiders just because even though it's different, you 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 – Pete Carroll wanted, he thought he could compete, right? And I think the, the Seahawks overall, they got holes, but they're not a bad team. Look where they're at. They're five and three. But you look at them and you're like, Geno Smith? Really? I mean, God bless him for the year he had last year. Don't get me wrong. It was a great story. <laughs> it was nice to see. But all the, they could have had the number one pick or number two pick in the draft. They had plenty of draft capital to go up and get it and get their quarterback of the future. And now what happened? Now they're actually in a position where if the 49ers falter, they could actually win the division. As crazy as that sounds, right? But now they can't because their quarterback just throws interceptions. Sounds like Jimmy Garoppolo. So you, you, you're to your point about long-term versus short-term vision. You have to have that long-term vision because that's what it takes to win and to build a consistent winner. I mean, we've seen it with franchises all over the place. So, all right, we're going to take our first break, and then we're going to do something different that we've never done before, and that is um, we are going to be doing a crossover. Yes, a crossover show with our good friend Antoine Staley, of course, is the Jets reporter for the New York Daily News. You know, the Jets, Mo's team. Um, <laughs> we, Mo and I, we, we go off the show and then he puts on a Jets hat and I put on a Chargers hat. For, I know, some of you believe that. So we have fun with it. But anyway, we're going to do a crossover. So you're going to hear us on his show He's gonna, and you're going to hear him on our show. We're going to do one segment, knock it out, because we're efficient MFers. That's why. That's right. Efficiency. We're not we're not throwing picks like Jimmy Garoppolo. We're efficient like he should have been (laughs) with the Raiders offense. All right. So when we come back, we're going to spend some time with Antoine talking Jets and and Raiders. And then we'll be back for our third segment as well. where We'll wrap it up and talk about the game and some of our thoughts moving forward with this Raiders team. Uh, Just one segment under. Now we got two more to go. Hang in there. You're with Mo and Scott here on Silver and Black today in Odyssey Original Podcast and heard on the bet in Las Vegas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Bat Page Breakdown. I'm your host, Antoine Staley. Uh, you can always find me at Antoine Staley on Twitter and all the social media platforms, too. Also find my work covering the Jets and also the NFL at the New York Daily News as well. So with me today, I have a special guest, somebody that I've followed for a little while now. I've been on his show earlier uh, this year and you now with the Jets and Raiders coming into town uh, playing on Sunday. I thought it'd be good to have him call Scott from Branson uh, from, from Silver and Black. Scott, how you doing? Good, buddy. I appreciate you having me on and uh, always good to talk football. And by the way, you got if you don't already follow Antoine on X.com, you have to. I, I, I love your stuff, man. It's always good fun and it's always great to talk to you. Uh, it's always good to talk to you too, and yeah, always, always love the Raider stuff that you put out too as well. So yeah, that's always I appreciate a good thing that. as well. And so by the way, get, go ahead. I was going to just tell you that my my usual partner Mo Moten sends his best, uh, and uh, he's 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 doing breaking news, of course. You know, I mean, what the heck is that all about? Isn't he in uh, New York City too? He is in New York City. That's yes. Oh yeah, he's close by it, me. So yes, he grew up. Imagine growing up in the city as a Raiders fan, and then. It's so funny too because we we have these fa- these listeners who uh, go back to where you grew up and so they they assume that you're a fan so they a lot of them call Mo a closet Jets fan so it's kind of funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it's a pretty big Raiders uh, following in the city too. Uh, yeah. yeah, Peter Dillon is a place big Raider fans been meeting it for years. So yeah, I'm not even from here, but I knew about that just you know growing up and also. You know, if people don't know, I grew up a Raider fan as well, growing up in North Carolina. So, I mean, it's kind of <laughs> like they're everywhere. <laughs> like when they say it's Raider Nation, it's truly, it's, it's the truth because they're literally everywhere. Like no matter where you go in the country, I've learned, you always can find a Raider fan or two, like in the middle of nowhere. So that's, no like doubt. I said, I've lived just about everywhere. So I can tell you that from personal experience. <laughs> the Raiders have had an interesting few weeks, <laughs> to say the least. So, so just talk about just, uh, uh, what you've seen and just kind of how you thought the team uh, responded on Sunday in a big win against the Giants. Well, I think I think what you saw against the Giants, and, and we know the Giants aren't a good football team, um, but that's beside the point because what the Raiders were going through, I think, was something that a lot of us can actually relate to for a second. I'll just take this aside, which is if you've ever worked in a toxic work environment, if you ever worked at a place where it was a lot of negativity, a lot of uh, a uh, assertion of control, not trying to earn respect, but demanding respect. And I think that's what they had with Josh McDaniels. And I think you saw a team that that was really tight. 
that walked on eggshells. A Hunter Renfro, the, the Raiders wide receiver, said this after it all went down. He said, yeah, it's nice to come in here and not walk on eggshells. And anytime you do that, I don't care if it's a personal relationship or whatever, it's hard. How, how can you be your best when you're walking around and the mood is that way? And that mood, from what we're told from people who work uh, on the non-football side and the business office side, that permeated the whole building. So his, Josh McDaniel's presence at the Raiders facility kind of brought everything down. So you saw that kind of just breath of fresh air for this team. And yes, they go out and they scored uh, over 20 points for the first time in the season on offense, clearly getting putting up 30 on the Giants. And you saw a team uh, lose playing like they should. You also saw a coaching staff under who is a great leader, former New York Giant, of course, Antonio Pierce, who is what I believe, and and again, my job isn't to cheer for the Raiders, but I will tell you, you you watch this guy speak and you're like, yeah, okay, let's go, man. I'm behind you because that's what you need in a coach. You need a leader who is going to not only give you respect, but demand respect and demand performance, but do it in a way that rallies people together. Before this, the Raiders, you could tell it was a fractured uh, situation and they just were not performing, especially on offense. And, and I know Jets fans can relate to bad offenses right now. Um, and that is because they, they were expected to be a very good offense, but a bad defense. And that's why most of us picked them to win seven or eight games at best. And um, the offense just didn't perform well. And Josh McDaniels was known as an offensive genius. And they were next to last in the league. And then you had bad quarterback play. So all of this goes down. And you just saw, uh, I think, a light come on for these guys. And whether or not that means they can make a big run, especially with their schedule getting more difficult down the stretch, I don't know. But I do know that they are in a much better place. And I think they're going to play better football because of it. Yeah, I think, I mean, just hearing Antonio Pierce talk, speak before even they played a game, and you just wanted to run through a wall. like, And I could just see why Mark Davis put this guy in charge because it just brings a whole whole nother energy just to you, to the building. Just listening to him, you're just like, yeah, this is exact. I don't know how many games he's going to win, but you definitely win the day as far as the press conferences and, you know, motivating players. And, and as you know, too, I mean, part of it is just leading men. Like, you have to be yes. a leader of men if you're going to be a head coach in this in any way, and whether it be NFL, NHL, NBA, whatever, like if you're going to be a coach, like in the figure of a franchise, you have to be a uh, leader of men. And that's something that Antonio, Antonio Pierce clearly is a leader of men above everything else. Yeah. And he also uh, really won over Raider Nation quickly, right? Because he talked about the history, he talked about growing up in Compton, growing up listening to NWA, wearing his Raider hat and all that stuff. So it, it's, it's, there's, there's a piece of it. So Raider Nation, who's very, very, as you know, protective of one another uh, and, and has that chip on their shoulder that was given to them by Al Davis. That's how Al Davis was. So you go back to that and then you hear Antonio Pierce talk about that and you hear him talk about, we are going to bring back what the Raiders are. And that's attitude. Whether or not they win, to your point, is almost secondary. I know this is a game about winning and you don't last long if you don't win. But he, they needed healing, as crazy as that sounds, and he's given them that healing, and he's got the cred, man. He's got the street cred. He even, uh, Levi Edwards, a guy who's a, a on-staff reporter there with the Raiders, um, yeah, I know tweeted Levi out a too. picture. 
driving it around in his 64 Impala, right? So this guy is a genuine article. He's not some guy who's going to get up and say all the right things to say the right things. He lives it. He's got a ring from winning a Super Bowl. He's been in the shoes of the players too. And, you know, players who become coaches don't always work out, but then there are times when a team needs that. And these guys have that in this leader. So I think whatever they're able to do the rest of the season, Antoine, uh, they will achieve the best that they can because he's going to empower them to do that. Yeah, I think so. I agree with that too. And as you, your point is like the radio days, it's a, it's a, it's just a culture. Yes. Like, and then it's very hard to display unless you're like a Raider fan, but it is, I mean, it's, I, I, you know, I say this, like, it's like, it's unlike any other fan base to a point, to an extent where they've moved around a lot, but there's still fans everywhere. And also like you, to your point too, like, I feel like hip hop had a lot to do with, you know, the Raiders and, you know, Brandon, and especially me growing up. I mean, you see people like NWA and Ice Cube and Dr. Dre and Eazy wearing Raider gear too. And also just other celebrities back then as well. And it, that's how you kind of, that's how people became fans ultimately of yeah. the team. Like it's, they're unique in that way. Yes. The, the Raiders have always been kind of the renegades, which is why, um, it, they get sometimes a bad rep, right? People, people will make fun of them. Oh, your fans are all in jail and all that stuff. And that's not what it's about. It's, and it goes back to Al Davis, right? But also to your point, they were counterculture. And so when, when NWA hit and I lived, I grew up in San Diego. So I was in Southern California when all that stuff happened. And, and that's what it was. It was counterculture. It was coming from the streets and it was different. And that's how the Raiders have always been. If you go back to the heyday of Raider football, when you talk about guys like John Matuzak and Lyle, I mean, these guys would tear your head off. Now you can't yes. do that in the NFL anymore, but these are the guys where you're on the ground, like the late Dick Buckus who just passed, who are going to hit you in the crotch. They're going to try to poke your eye out. They're going to put their finger in your nose and you know, they're going to do all that kind of stuff. So that's the, that's the persona that came off, but, but you're right from a cultural standpoint too. It, that's, what's really been interesting for me covering the team, not growing up a Raider fan for seven years is from the outside, you really misunderstand it. Once you're on the inside, you understand it much better and you see the diversity there too. I mean, not only were you talking about like the, the rise of hip hop and of course, NWA and those guys in, in the black community, but then there's a, I did a I did a show a couple of years ago uh, with a filmmaker who was who did a whole documentary on the meaning of the Raiders to Latino audiences, right? Especially yes. so, from their LA days. Especially there's also of course Hispanics up in the Bay Area, but in Los Angeles that really took root. And he did a whole thing and how big it extends into Mexico, right? In Mexico, you will find massive amounts of Raiders fans as well, and they relate to the culture. So it, it, it that's what's been I think. The toughest thing is to see this team languish and struggle for so long because that fan base, man, they are so rabid. They could be 0-12 and people will still live and die with what happened with the Raiders on Sunday. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's what I said. That's what part of makes them unique. I know you touched on the offense, too, as well. And, yeah, I mean, they beat the Giants, but, I mean, the Jets played them the week before and scored only 13 points as well. So, yeah, both of these offenses are really struggling. What 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 differences did you see with the offense on Sunday compared to, you know, the previous games where, I mean, they were struggling just to do much about anything offensively? 
Yeah, I think there were two key things here. Number one, you got to start with quarterback. As you guys know, with the Jets especially too, um, quarterback play is everything in the NFL. If you don't have good quarterback play, it doesn't matter how good your defense is, doesn't matter what kind of weapons you have, you're not going to be able to win if you don't score points. And so for the Raiders, going to the rookie Aiden O'Connell, right? And we don't know. He's a fourth-round pick. Uh, we don't know what he's going to be. We don't know if he is a full-time NFL starter for the rest of his career or what? It's too early to decide. But what you saw with him against the Giants on Sunday was a quarterback who uh, uses his head and he doesn't turn the ball over. When he did a spot start for the uh, against the Chargers, when Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt the first time, uh, he put he gave the ball away three times. He fumbled twice and threw an interception uh, close to the end zone late in the game. And, and so that's why Josh McDaniels used that as an excuse not to play him again in Chicago when Garoppolo was out yet again. Uh, instead going with Brian Hoyer, which was a disaster. But but Aiden O'Connell uh, didn't give the ball away, and he was good. Was he perfect? No. He's got some issues with his feet. He needs to work on his footwork. But overall, he moves the offense. We saw it in the preseason. I know the preseason's a different animal, but he moved the ball. Second was the play calling. Bo Hardigree, who took over as the offensive coordinator after the firings, um, did a great job. I mean, he really mixed it up. He put more motion in. Uh, the offensive line kept a clean pocket for the rookie quarterback. And so I think the offensive looks you saw using people like Trey Tucker, the rookie out of Cincinnati, who is lightning fast. I mean, he might not be exactly as fast as Tyreek Hill, but he's close. He had a, the 50-yard um, uh, reception against yeah. the Giants, which is the longest pass of the year for the Raiders. Uh, and then Josh Jacobs, man. I mean, Josh Jacobs ran like an angry man again. And, and that was all the difference in the world because you got a rookie quarterback back there. If you can run the ball effectively, especially early, which they did, and allow your quarterback the time with, a good, with good protection, you're going to make it a lot easier on him. And they didn't ask O'Connell to do too much, right? So they went vertical a few times because he can throw the ball. Uh, but I think that was the biggest difference. These guys just believed in their quarterback and they believed in what they were doing offensively and it worked. Yeah, I, I I didn't think he played particularly bad in the Chargers. I know there was some turnovers there, but I felt like they still had a chance to win that game. I just thought it was the ridiculous play. It was one particular play call. Like they had a chance to score a touchdown late, and then he ended up throwing an interception, which I thought, why not just try to run the football in that situation yes. or do something <laughs> a little bit better? Uh, but, yeah, I just thought that the play call was more of a concern would be, especially with him. I feel like both of these teams are really in different – in the same places, especially with quarterbacks and – you know, you got Aiden O'Connor, who's a young guy who I really do like. And then you got Zach Wilson with the Jets, who, you know, some people like, some people do not. I mean, obviously, you know, Robert Sala is remaining loyal to him. And I feel like, you know, the Jets are in a bad place right now. They're one of the worst offenses in the league, too, whether you talk about points per game and also yardage as well. And, you know, we kind of saw them stall out really against the Chargers last week. And even before that, against the Giants, they really couldn't get much of anything going until, you know, really the fourth quarter in overtime. So, yeah, I feel like both of these teams are definitely in similar spots, but it just happened to be, you know, the Raiders were, you know, they got a little bit of a bolt of energy, especially with the coaching change, too, as well. Yeah. And I mean, I get it with the Jets. Like, I don't know. I mean, I see why he sticks with Zach Wilson because there's nothing else. I mean, what are you going to do? And again, you had Aaron Rodgers. The Jets had Aaron Rodgers. So the expectations of the fan base and my expectations of the Jets uh, were off the charts, too. I thought they were going to do really, really well. And their defense obviously is doing well. So so it, it's interesting, though, too. I, I just finished a piece that's going to run up on Sports Not um, uh, next week. 
And it's about the quarterback play in the league, right? So you talk about Zach Wilson and, and I, you see a lot of those, a lot of us guys who cover the league like you and me and talk about it all week. And you talk about, man, the quarterback play is just not as good as it used to be. So I delved into the numbers. And one of the findings I found was guys just don't get that much time to develop, right? Because the average yes. coaching 10 years, about three years, like you got three years as a coach, most of the time, if you're fortunate enough and yes. things don't go really bad. And so how can a, how can a, a head coach say, yeah, okay, I'm going to stick with Zach Wilson for three years until he hits his stride and go through the pain. I, I'll be fired. So, so it's unfortunate for those quarterbacks because they don't get the chance to do it. And when they do get a chance to do it, you got to perform right away. And that's a lot. I mean, there's some guys, look, we can look at CJ Stroud, amazing year, but there's, that's, that's a unicorn. Like you get a couple of those guys occasionally, but overall, sometimes guys just take time to develop. And, and I think you look at this, this matchup on Sunday, these two teams have quarterbacks in those positions. Obviously Zach Wilson had last year and everything that happened then. Um, and, and the expectations are so high and the league's defenses have gotten better against these offenses. And man, that just creates a tough situation for these guys. Yeah. To your point. Yeah. I feel like when you become a head coach, you essentially have to take a quarterback unless you already have a franchise quarterback there, but that tend right. to not be the case because that's usually why teams are, firing coaches because they can't find either a quarterback situation or something. So, but yeah, because you're on the clock at that point and you really yeah. have three years to try to win. And I think back when like I was a kid, it would be, okay, you give a guy three years and see what he can do. Now, now all of a sudden people want it now, especially when you're seeing these quarterbacks, you know, be successful in their first or second year. You know, you talked about CJ Stroud, you look at, you know, the other side of the coin with Bryce Young, you know, people were already calling him a bust, but I feel like, that's not fair to him, especially considering no. the things that they are, they, the lack of weapons that they have with the Panthers too. So yeah, I exactly. don't know if CJ Stroud would have been as successful, you know, being a Panther, but you know, nevertheless, he's off to a really good start. And yeah, Zach, I didn't feel like they brought, and I, they've even admitted this too. They didn't provide him with enough support that they should have at least early on. They pretty much just handed him the keys and, you know, said, just try to, you know, develop on the fly and obviously that didn't work and then now they're trying to you know end up bringing in a veteran like an Aaron Rodgers to help you know you know tutor him a little bit and of course Aaron gets hurt so and Zach wasn't even supposed to play this year at right. all and then all of a sudden he gets thrusted into the role four plays into the season and then now people expect him to all of a sudden just turn it on but I mean he is what he is I mean and then like you said to your other point as well you got Tim Bull and you got Trevor Simeon people are Clamoring for Trevor Simeon, but we know what Trevor Simeon is. We already know what he is. Yeah. So it's really no point in trying to bring him in unless there's an injury that occurs. Like Zach, I mean, we kind of already know what he is too, but I think Zach probably is your best option at this point, to be quite honest with you. Right. And and I I know Jets fans won't like me saying this, but I think Salah did the right thing. When, when, when Rodgers went out, it's like, hey, this is our guy. We're going to have to stick with him. Like Aaron will be back next year. I know a lot of people like to see him back this year and he looks like he could be, but who knows? Uh, but I, I think that you got to do it in the right spot. What are you going to do? Go trade for another quarterback, give up draft capital when you need to go get offensive linemen, you need to get more on offense too. What do you do there? I, I think it's a tough situation, but like you said, people want it right now. And again, I feel it because Jets fans had such high expectations as did the media for this team with Aaron Rodgers on it. And, and, and that defense, which is phenomenal. So, yes. so you see that and you understand people's expectations, but man, injury is, is the, is, is the great equalizer in the NFL. I mean, you just, 
you see it. Uh, and okay, Josh Dobbs did a great job in Minnesota, but Kirk Cousins out. We'll see if Dobbs can continue. I mean, all these different situations. You've had more starting quarterbacks through half a season than you've had over the last five seasons for the total season. So yeah, you got it, ten rookies right now starting. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it's ten it's rookies. Insane. And then Anton, we all got so spoiled, even though I used to root against these guys, used to get so spoiled when you had Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger, no matter what you think of them as a person, all these guys, they, they had, it was, there's, there's, there's these periods of time. It's like a bell curve where you have these golden ages of quarterbacks. You have a bunch of rookies come in, they're touted, they're good, they develop and they win, right? So you have, so you enjoy 10, 12, 15 years, whatever the time frame is. And then you cycle through again. So now we're in that cycle where the new guys, the new bloods are coming in and they're trying to make their way, but the expectations are much different than it right. was. Yeah. I mean, a Peyton Manning, sure. Tom Brady's a different story, but some of these guys came out and they were expected to be great right away. But overall, no. I mean, you, Ben Roethlisberger went to Miami of Ohio. It wasn't like he came out of Alabama or Tennessee or somewhere like that. He was a guy who developed into a good quarterback. And, and so I think we're in that period now where it's, it's, the, ch it's the changeover. And we're seeing these young guys, and they're going to struggle. Because I agree with you, like, on Bryce Young. I don't think Bryce Young is going to be a bust. I think he's going to be a fine quarterback when they put the pieces around him. And Zach Wilson, I understand why people are not high on him, and he hasn't performed well at times. But you don't know. Sometimes these guys, all it takes is a couple games and they hit their stretch and they become more confident. Yeah, exactly. And I just feel like, you know, social media is also another component where it's kind of got people like everything wants it now and everything like that, too. Uh, I kind of want to get to these defenses, too, real quick, because I feel like both of these def teams have really, really good defense. I, I didn't I never went that far. I mean, although I thought they would be really good. I thought one of the better defenses there. But I think the Raiders uh, defense has really surprised a lot of people. Just talk about outside of Max Crosby, who I think everybody is starting to and I'm happy about starting to be aware of as one of the best pass rushers, at least to me, one of the top three best pass rushers in football. What else has made this Raider defense really good? Yeah, I, th I think it's been it's been a workmanlike effort up front. They still need to get better pressure up the middle, but they're getting good production uh, out of guys up front, and they're getting good production too from young defensive backs. So you look at guys like Nate Hobbs, who came out of Illinois as a third round draft pick. He was hurt a little bit earlier in the year. Amik Robertson, one of our favorite guys on our show. Uh, he's yeah. been on our show several times uh, and he's a, he's only five nine, right? This is a guy, but he is a ball hawk. He had another interception against the Giants. And, and so that defensive backfield, you added some guys there as well, like Isaiah Epps. These guys have filled in and I think more than anything, Antoine, what's happened with the Raiders' defense isn't so much – the play is certainly better, but the the coaching from Patrick Graham and, and the cohesion, these guys working together – has been really good. They've had good surprises. Divine Diablo, a kid they drafted, has developed. Now he's hurt right now. But at linebacker, linebacker's been a black hole for the Raiders, right? And they went out and got Spillane from the Steelers. And they've played well. They're a little slow, you know, and, and some of the against some of these some of these faster offenses, like when they start playing the Dolphins and the Chiefs, I think we'll see some of that. But overall, I think they just believe in what they're doing and they're getting turnovers. The Raiders have been near the, the bottom of the league for the last five years in takeaways. Now, suddenly, ever since the Charger loss, 
this defense has turned the corner. They've given up three touchdowns in the past two games, and that included a game on Monday night against the Detroit Lions. And one of those touchdowns, they gave up two to them. One of those touchdowns was late in the game. Jameer Gibbs was just running over yeah. a defense that had been on the field the entire game because the Raiders had no offense. So, so they are keeping teams in check. It's not always pretty. They'll give up a big play, and, and they're not great against the run, which we'll talk about. But they are getting the most out of the talent they have, and they're getting young guys to perform at a high level. And that, to me, you gotta you gotta credit Patrick Graham, and you gotta think about that. Maybe it just clicked for them. They now, having been in the system for a while, they just feel it. They understand what their role is. We're not seeing as many busted coverages. We're not seeing guys confused on coverage. So, so I think that's why this defense is 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 achieving what they have. Are they a top ten defense? Of course not. They're not the Jets defense. But they are doing enough now, if their offense can move the ball and score, to win games that they were losing over the past two years. Yeah, I think the thing that what you touched on is like being they're opportunistic. Like they Correct. really get a lot of turnovers, and and that's kind of I think both of these defenses are very the same, are the same, are very similar in that way because that's where the Jets have been lived on. Like they they've created turnovers. Something last year they weren't able to do, although they were a top five defense. This year has been you know they've gotten interceptions, they've gotten fumbles, although they didn't get any against the Chargers, which I think actually hurt. You know, especially when you have yeah. a poor offense the way that it is. But if they can get any kind of turnovers, you looked at the game against the Eagles there. They they forced three interceptions against Jalen Hurts there. You know, yeah. make Patrick Wilhelms look like look ordinary, which is very hard to do in this league, as you know. And then Josh <laughs> Allen, the same thing, forced four four turnovers too. They've made the best quarterbacks in the league look like you know, just ordinary guys. And I think, yeah. you know, that's kind of what they're going to have to do in a game like this too. And, you know, you look at they, they end up losing to the Patriots, but crazy enough, that was a game where Matt Jones actually, he's probably the, him and Dak Wait, Prescott what? are probably been the guys that's played the Jets the best all yeah. year. All Isn't that crazy? Long. Yeah. Yeah, I know, it's, it's, right? It's weird. Some guys perform that way against certain teams and you can't explain it. And, and it's not even it's not even worth the time to try to figure it out. They just go out and they ball that game. But yeah, I mean, that Jets defense, uh, you know, I saw Sauce Gardner play in college at, at the University of Cincinnati. He, he's a stud. And then, of course, you got the Williams brothers. I mean, yeah. listen, that Jets defense, man, I mean, it is, it is phenomenal. It, you look at every level and you just say, okay, 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 right? They're, they're there. And look, not everybody's going to play every play perfectly, but that Jets defense gives them a chance to keep, stay in the game. And against the Chargers, look what they did to Justin Herbert, right? Justin Herbert is touted as this, the next coming of the great quarterback, and they kept him in check, man. Uh, again, the run was a problem, of course, yes. but – but not 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 the pass. I mean, they kept him in check. And I think that that's what's interesting about this game coming up, too, is both these teams can run the ball well, and both of them don't stop the run very well uh, as well. But but yeah, that Jets defense, man, I, 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 I like watching them. When I'm watching games on Sunday, I always have one of my four boxes on my YouTube TV with the Jets in it because I, I just love watching them on defense. Yeah, I think so. I think their Achilles heel has been running away, especially when Al Woods went down. When you lose a yeah. big body like that, then that oh, really yeah. hurts your run defense too. And I think the you know, Giants took advantage of it with Saquon. I feel like they did a serviceable job against uh against Austin Eckler, but mm -hmm. at the same time, they were they had short fields. So the Jets oh, charged yeah. to decide just to run the football. And then yeah, also Justin Herbert, only 136 yards passing. Had you told me that would have been the case, I would have said the Jets are definitely gonna win. Yeah, and then not only was that the, not the case, they won by three touchdowns. A if somebody 64, told me that, I would have. Been oh like, yeah, what? <laughs> no, a six a sixty four 
quarterback ranking for Justin Herbert. It might be one of the lowest he's had in his career so far, right? So you have that, and then you have the punt return, right? So you have these big plays. And yeah. and and I always talk about it, and I think it's the most underestimated thing because I think when when people watch NFL games, you get caught up in how the offense is doing, you cut up the defenses, and you don't put them together and say, well, it's all about complementary football. And you said it perfectly. When you're on a short field, man, this is the NFL. Like, you got talent everywhere. So if you give an a NFL team and they only got to play on a short field, guess what's going to happen? You're not going to win that battle because you just, you, you, you're at such a disadvantage, especially if your offense can't move the ball, that what do you want your defense, even a defense as good as the Jets, who, don't, who didn't give up that many points, right? It's like you look at that and you're like, okay, you can't win games with a great defense unless you have complimentary football on the other side. And so um, that's that's what's happened with both these teams. And uh, when they duke it out, it'll be funny to see if, if watch. I, Mo and I were talking about this, and I think it's – we both think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Yes. And now watch, they'll go out and they'll throw for 400 yards each, and it'll be a 30, 38 to 31 <laughs> game or something stupid like that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I I mean, I think both of these teams are quite similar. Like it's kind of like with the bots and phrase styles make fights. I think both yeah. of these teams are very uh, similar in that way. They play good defense. They, you know, the Jets like to run the ball. Obviously, with Brees Hall too. I I think some of the I think the keys are, well, for the Jets anyway. If they can obviously stop the run and Josh Jacobs, you know, force Aiden O'Connell to beat them as well, and create some turnovers. And then yeah, they have to get Brees Hall going. I think the problem with you know, Brees Hall and tremendous running back. I think everybody knows that. But, you know, when you're not able to throw the ball, teams are really putting eight in the box and really dedicating to stop him, which also eliminates, you know, the big plays he's able to do. If they can get some big plays, then I think they've got a chance to win this game. But, you know, I can say the same thing about the Raiders, too. If they get Devontae involved, too, as well. I know they like to uh, – they don't like to play one cornerback on – one wide receiver like him and DJ Reed, who has been, you know, equally as good as sauce this year. I'm yeah. sure play both uh, uh, Devontae Adams really well, but he didn't get him involved as well. I definitely think, you know, the Raiders definitely have an opportunity to win this game too. So it's, it's going to be a slut fest. I expect for, for both sides. Yes, that's exactly what I said. It was going to be just a knockdown, drag him out affair. And I mean, look, I even it, you look at the Jets offense and I think people forget because of Zach Wilson's struggles at times, they forget Garrett Wilson, right? And you have to, when you're a defender, you have to account for Garrett Wilson. You have to, right? And I yeah. think that that's going to be a challenge for the Raiders. And then I mentioned the Williams brothers earlier too, uh, on the front and a linebacker, they're going to have to account for them too. Those are the three guys along with Brees Hall. So four guys that I think uh, if I'm the Raiders, uh, that's who I'm worried about. I'm worried about those guys um, uh, in this game and, and making sure that we do all we can to contain them because uh, you know, if, if, if Zach gets hot and starts flinging the ball and has the time to do it and Wilson's there, he's going to get it. So I think that, and then you, you couple that with the running game with, with uh Brees hall and, and, and boy, I think you're going to see, I think you were going to see mirrored offenses here. I think you're going to see young quarterbacks that aren't going to take a ton of risk. They are going to take some, but I think you're going to see a lot of these shorter passes as we've seen around the league all season. And you're going to see a steady dose of Brees Hall and Josh Jacobs running the ball and even getting the ball out of the backfield on some swing passes and all that. I think they're going to utilize that and, and try to make sure that their quarterbacks are set up for success, right? Not try to put too much pressure. That's why it's important for both teams not to get down uh, multiple scores early. They got to keep it close early, I think is the key for both teams. 
that's what I was about to say. I think the, whoever starts the fastest, I think, is probably going to win the game. The Jets typically don't start out very fast, and then they're used, they're down. They've been down in every single game. So, wow. but they have happily been able to fight back. And then once you go, once the Chargers went up fourteen nothing, you're kind of like, yes, yeah, it might be over because they they cannot score points. So I think you know starting out fast for both of these teams is really key too. But yeah, go, go ahead. You want to say something? Well, I was going to say too the Jets. Like uh, people were asking me, you know, Raiders are playing at home. They're underdogs at home to the Jets. By the way, I know it's more of like a pick them because I think it's a point and a half right now. Yes. Uh, but you, but you look at that and you say, how is that? Well, the Jets coming off an embarrassing loss at home on 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 national TV, right? You know, I would say, and maybe I'm overplaying it, Antoine. Maybe uh, that that I hate to play teams like that, right? Because they're they they want to come and they want to punch you in the mouth because they they got embarrassed and and they want to show that they. And then look at the division, right? You look at the division. Miami's faltering a little bit now. Of course, Buffalo's struggling. I've been as bold to say as I think Buffalo. I love Josh Allen, but I think their window is like, it's only like this much open. It's closed. Their defense is old and hurt. Um, I mean, Vaughn Miller, great player, but man, he was invisible on Sunday. So, so you look at that and you say, okay, the jets are going to come in ready to play. I have every belief that that's the case. And then you look at the Raiders side and the Raiders have this game at home and then they got to go to Miami and then they got to play the chiefs and then they get the body. Right. So the Raiders really need this game. The the Jets really need this game. Yes. And so that's why I think it's going to be, like you said, to use boxing as an example, it's going to be a 15-rounder, and whoever the last man standing, you might not know until the last minute of the game. Yeah, exactly. And, and to your point, the Jets play at Buffalo next week, and then they got Miami on a short week on Black Friday. So, Oof. yeah, this is cre- – this is- critical time for really both these teams. So if the Jets have any playoff aspirations, they have to they have to win this game too. I think it's a big game for both of these teams. Yeah. And now there's been examples to go contrary to this, but overall, if you look at if you look at the the past, I don't know, five or ten NFL seasons, by the time a team hits Thanksgiving, you know who they are. Right. Yes. So if they're going up and down, losing one, lo- winning one, losing two, winning one, you, that's who they are, right? By that's Thanksgiving. Inconsistent. Inconsistent, right. So the teams that start to exert their dominance now are teams that, and and around Thanksgiving, are the teams that are going to make those runs. So both of these teams could do that. They could, and I think that that's why Sunday is so important with the schedules coming up um, and and what they're going to be able to do. But it'll be be fascinating to watch this game, too, uh, from a coaching perspective, because you have Robert Sala over there and, and the staff of the Jets, and then you have Antonio Pierce and a bunch of new guys who are new at it all, uh, but seem to be okay through one game at least, and that's just one game. That's what I tell people. One game is one game, and that's awesome. It's great for fans. It's great for the team, but it's all about consistency, as you said a second ago. So um, it, it'll, it'll be interesting as we see these two teams uh, battle it because you're right, both at critical junctures because the next three weeks are going to be tough for both. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Scott, I know you got to get out of here. Just tell everybody where they can find you and find your work, uh, what you're doing. Sure. Yeah, you can. uh, We have obviously a Raiders podcast and radio show. It's called Silver and Black Today, uh, which you can get wherever you get your audio. I also am an editor, writer 
uh, at sportsnot.com. So do a little bit of sports writing too. Doing more video these days than writing. That's just the world we live in. Uh, but uh, doing that as well, where I cover the I cover the Raiders there, but I also uh, cover the league as well as even some baseball and basketball occasionally. So I'm all over the place. Uh, but football is my love, and and the silver and black today stuff is 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 a number one. Uh, and uh, always love talking with you, man, and, and talking football, and can't wait to see the game on Sunday. I know it'll be great, man, but, yeah, I definitely have to have you back on uh, at some point throughout the year, but, yeah, I'm glad you joined me. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you to uh, Scott, and, you know, thank you everybody for tuning in, and, yeah, we'll have another bat page breakdown next week, too, just previewing the Bills and the Jets next week. So, yeah, until then, I hope everybody has a good good day and good week, and thank you for tuning in to Bat Page Breakdown, sponsored by Bet Online. Welcome back. It is Silver and Black today, an Odyssey Original podcast, heard on the radio in Las Vegas, Nevada, not Nevada, Nevada, on the Bet in Las Vegas. Shout out to all of our friends at the Odyssey stations in Las Vegas. I miss going to the studio there. I used to go there every Sunday morning for years. It was fun, but shout out to them and shout out to you. From us, Scott Branson, along with Mo Moten, we are in the home stretch here, the final segment of this show of Silver and Black today. And we just uh, had a great conversation with Antoine Staley, reporter for the New York Daily News. Of course, he also has a podcast. That's why we did the crossover thing. So it was kind of cool. He interviews us. We interview him. Nice stuff. Appreciate it. Antoine's also one of the really good guys out there. Love uh, mixing it up with him on Twitter, too. So make sure you do that. Uh, talk. I mean, you heard what he said, Mo, about the Jets uh, in this game. We talk about this game uh, down at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday with the Jets and the Raiders. I had somebody on a radio I hit a hit I did on Tuesday ask me, "So, do the Raiders win this game?" And I'd like to say yes. At the same time, I can see it's gonna. I think it's gonna be a slog. I think it's gonna be a very close game. I think it's gonna be a low-scoring game. And I think whoever runs the ball better is going to win the game. I know the Jets can't score right now, but the Raiders are susceptible to the run, which creates an issue. The defense has been so good the last three or four games, but still uh, the Jets have that. Then the Jets' defense. Aiden O'Connell's going to get a big test. Do you agree? I absolutely agree. It's, I mean, he's only going to play his third game. <laughs> Easily his biggest test because he had the Chargers, he came in late against the Bears and then the Giants, but it's going to be a tough test simply because – the, the Jets, the strength of the Jets defense to me is, well, they have strengths all over, but the secondary, the, the sorry, the interior of their defense, as I've mentioned, I think you can run the ball in the Jets defense. Now, my buddy over there, Paul Ezin over there, heavy.com, kind of disagree with me after they slowed down Austin Eckler. But Austin Eckler, while productive in a touchdown machine, he's not known for being a workhorse running back that's going to get you for four to five yards a pop. Josh Jacobs can do that. Obviously, we saw him the rushing champion last year so i think it's going to be as i agree i totally agree with you low scoring game a lot of running of the football i posted this on x on monday night we may see more defensive and special teams touchdowns than offensive touchdowns on sunday between the jets and raiders i totally believe it because i don't expect a O'Connell to light it up against that secondary i do expect josh Jacobs to get his yards maybe he'll get over 100 should have got over 100 last week. Maybe he gets over 100 this week. But I also expect Brees Hall of the Jets to be able to move the ball on the Raiders' run defense. So these teams are similar in the fact that they're both susceptible to the run. And while Zach Wilson is awful, <laughs> we don't know exactly how good Aiden O'Connell is. He hasn't looked as bad as Zach Wilson, but I think both quarterbacks are going to struggle against these defenses. 
Right. And I think that's why that's why it's it's going to I mean, we, we've been saying it all year how important it is for this Raiders offense to establish the run. They did it against the Giants. The Giants are not the Jets on defense. And so it's going to be harder to do that. It's also going to be harder for that offensive line of the Raiders to keep that pocket as clean as they did for Aiden O'Connell. You saw Baldy's breakdown. Excuse me. You saw Baldy's breakdown of this, right? Where every highlight is showing the pocket. It was just, it's like a big, soft pillow <laughs> pocket around Aiden O'Connell for most of the game. Um, I don't think he's going to have, I think he's going to be flushed out. He's going to get a lot more pressure up the middle this time. And, uh, and so, so that, but that's the test. You got to see that. You have to see, you have to be good teams. And I know you might say the Jets are not a good team overall, but uh, from a defensive standpoint, they are very, very good. And so this is a great test for the Raiders. And I believe, Mo, for them to get positive momentum, it's not a must win because right now they got to win them all. But to me, this win would be massive for this team, not only because they string two together and they're at home, but then you got the two on the road before you um, you uh, go back for the bye. So to me, or the two against Miami and Kansas City, obviously two very good teams. So it's really important that they get momentum because if they if they do end up on the short side of those two games, not saying they have to, they could end up doing it. The Chiefs can't play offense, but their defense is tough too. It's just imperative that they play their best football at home against this Jets team, uh, and they they have a great chance at it. It's just going to be a slog. So let's just keep it a hundred, Scott. A lot of no one's giving them a chance to beat the Dolphins or the Chiefs. So <laughs> people are assuming those are two losses. So in other words, they got to beat the Jets because if they don't beat the Jets, they could be looking at a what a four and seven yeah, record. Four and, yep, four and seven record after they play the Jets, Miami, uh, Kansas City, Miami and Kansas City. Yeah. So you go four and seven, you're probably not going to be the playoffs, right? So this game, you, while you said it, not a must win. But it's important for them to win it to keep their playoff hopes legitimately alive. Exactly, because you look at the schedule later on, you have, I mean, you want to call them cupcakes, which I don't think a Raiders team where they've been, you can't call anybody cupcakes in the NFL. But really the Colts, and it used to be the Vikings, but the Vikings and Josh Dobbs look like a playoff contender, right? Where they're sitting right now. So so in, in the weak NFC. So you look at that and you're like, this, this, this is a big game. This is a really big game for the Raiders. I hope Raider Nation shows out like they did too at the stadium and fills it up for them because they're going to need every little ounce of juice that they can get to get over this. But this is the kind of game where, okay, so you're coming off, you're feeling good about yourself over the Giants, and now you're going to be hitting the mouth a little more. So, so can you keep that intensity? Can you keep that focus? Can you keep that enthusiasm through getting punched in the mouth a few more times? I think they can. But like I said, man, I, I'm, I'm betting under on this one, pal. I'm telling you right now because I think I haven't seen the number yet. But, but I'm just telling you, I think it's going to be that kind of game. Last I looked, uh, the Jets are favored. Bleach Report betting column is out, by the way. I picked the Raiders to win did outright. You? Yes, I did. I picked the Raiders to win 17-13. Two of my colleagues, there's seven of, seven of us, two of my colleagues picked the Jets. Ironically, the co- one of the colleagues that picked the Jets – is a Giants fan, so there may be some uh, ul- ulterior motives there. There's a little sour grapes there, <laughs> just saying. Just, point, just pointing that out. We won't say who that is. Shout out to that person, by the way. But I think the Jets, I think the Raiders are going to pull this one out, but I think the Jets are going to come out, and they're going to, obviously, they just got embarrassed on Monday night. And I say this a lot. A team that's, even even the decent teams, not just the good teams, but the decent teams, after they get embarrassed, 
in a standalone game, in a primetime standalone game, usually they come out buttoned up in that next game. I'm not saying Zach Wilson is going to throw for 300 because I don't think that's going to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets came out and tried to hit the Raiders in the mouth first. I also mm-hmm. said that if the Raiders come out and score first, they have a better chance of winning the game because Zach Wilson, I don't believe he can pull the Jets back off of a two-possession deficit, though he's done it. And he's led the team to some good wins against the Bills on Monday night after Aaron Rodgers went down. The Jets are the only team to beat the Eagles right now. So you got to respect the Jets as an opponent. But Zach Wilson, I don't think he has enough in him to, again, climb, help his team climb him out of a deep hole early in the game. I'm surprised they're favored. That's the only thing that kind of threw me for a loop. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I mean, Zach Wilson's not a rookie, but he's Zach Wilson. <laughs> And you have a rookie quarterback on the other side. I mean, I, if, I, if I'm picking this one, I mean, I'm no odds maker. Kelly Kreiner's going to make fun of me when he hears that. But I'd make this a pick em. I mean, I mean, what are the Jets? A point and a half? Yeah, point and a half for the Jets. I, so it's almost a pick em. It's basically a pick em. Yeah. But remember, the Raiders are the home team. Usually you get that customary minus, you know, minus three. Yeah. But I understand that the Jets have – a high-level defense, and as I said, yes. they have two signature wins against the Bills and the Eagles. So I, I understand why it's slightly leaning Jets, but it, it's it's basically a pick 'em anyway. But I would say, like I said, it's going to it's going to be a close game because they're not going to be a lot of points scored. So usually, when they're not a lot of points scored, you're talking about a toss-up anyway. Correct. And this is to your point, it's going to be a grind amount game on the ground. Uh, you're going to have to hit nice, short, efficient passing, right? So. If you break one, great. And it's going to come down to turnovers. Now, the Raiders have been very good at creating turnovers the last four weeks, right, overall. So so they got to continue that. And that's the one thing they have on defense with Zach Wilson, even if he's struggling. If he struggles still, if he doesn't struggle, you're going to have to come create create turnovers again. And, and I think that that defensive backfield with those young players like Amik Robertson, Nate Hobbs, they feel good about themselves right now. Uh, and they know how good the Jets' defense is, and they know even though they don't line up against them, they don't want to be left out of that fun. They want to make sure people know uh, that they're able to play too. So I think that'll be a fun game. Mo, give me the score. By, by the way, if Kelly Cross listens to this, he'll say minus one either way doesn't matter, right? So <laughs> the, it started out actually started out minus two and a half for the Jets, and it came down. So maybe some people are starting to see maybe the Raiders are kind of for real under Antonio Pierce. But my final prediction for this game is, as I said, 17-3 Raiders. I think they win at the end, late touchdown for Josh 17, Jacobs. 17-13, right? You, you said yes. 17-3. 17-13. Okay. You had me my worried bad. there for a second. 17-13 Raiders. Josh Jacobs gets a late touchdown to help the Raiders uh, go over the top and get back to 500. And is the other touchdown for the Raiders also a Josh Jacobs running touchdown or is it a pass? Maybe it's a, you know, it's a little wide receiver sweep, maybe. We, we, we saw, you know, Jacoby Myers pull it off against the Giants. Maybe we get some Trey Tucker action and he gets a touchdown on the ground. I think Bo Hardegree is going to give the Jets something to take advantage of their aggressive defensive front. So I like that. Usually, usually with teams that have a great pass rush, when you run the ball, misdirection, motions to take advantage of their aggressiveness. I think you get that with a wide receiver sweep, wide receiver touchdown on the ground. Maybe it's Jacoby Myers. Maybe it's Trey Tucker. Who knows? Maybe it's Hunter Renfro gets on the board with a touchdown. That would be great. (laughs) (laughs) Sound like an owl in here, damn it. Um, 
Yeah, and and by the way, a shout out. I know you've mentioned him a couple of times. We talked about him on Tuesday, but shout out to Bo Hardigree, dude. I mean, you yes. talk about your first performance as a play caller. Mm-hmm. You mentioned it Tuesday. Um, man, I was impressed with with coming out with as little time as they had to prepare for that game after the firing and all that jazz. Um, did well. Now I, I'm I'm interested to see what he does against this Jets defense. It's a big test. But but man, it, it looked good. It looked like a completely different team. If you would have never watched the Raiders play and then watched him, you'd say, okay, yeah, they didn't execute everything. But man, they 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 got it working there. They they're doing some good things. They're being creative, right? That's what we didn't see before. And it's it's nice to see that. So so shout out to him on uh, his first effort, and we'll see how he does against the Jets. All right, I'm really going quick. to pick the Raiders. You ready? Go ahead. Oh, uh, you had something else to say? I mean, you just no. Go ahead. What are you doing? What are you doing? Your voice is hoarse. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. You know, <laughs> help you out here. Yes. It's there. <laughs> um, how about this? I think the Raiders. I think this is going to be even lower scoring. I'm saying 13 to 10. Wow. And Josh Jacobs will have a rushing touchdown, um, but it's just going to be a slog. I I hope it's a little, you know, I hope I'm right because you're trying to put people to sleep on Sunday night. Talk about early bedtimes. My gosh. Evan, our buddy Evan Gordich is powered, baby, maybe sleep by halftime with that score total. Oh, yes. And for those of us, you know, for those of us on the East Coast time time zone, (laughs) the game's over like at midnight. We're working until 2.30 in the morning anyway, so. It's like, doesn't matter. So yes, it would be better if the game was a little higher scoring than that. So I'll change my score to forty-two to forty. No, just kidding. <laughs> Never gonna happen. But anyway, it'll be good. I, I'm I'm looking forward to a primetime crowd at Allegiant Stadium. I don't. I mean, I know Jet, Giants fan travel pretty well. Do Jets fans travel pretty well, Mo? I'll be honest with you. I don't think they travel as well as Giants fans, though I do have some friends back here in New York City who said they were going to go to the game. So I would say Jets fans travel well, but from my experience, Giants fans travel a little more. They're willing to go maybe cross country. Not saying the Jets fans don't travel, but from from my point of view, knowing Giants and Jets fans, I've heard from more Giants fans saying, hey, I'm going to follow my team to Arizona, Green Bay, Chicago, wherever they're going to play on the road. Whereas Jets fans, it's like, yeah, we'll wait till they come back to MetLife Stadium. We'll watch them there. Ringer.com <laughs> headline, podcast host calls Jets fans cheap. Oh, my goodness. I can see. Jets fans are already upset at me because I was kind of going at their run defense and Zach Wilson. They're a little defensive right now with me, so. Does this does that is is the annoying guy with the fire hat going to be there? Fireman Ed is a construction hat. Fireman Ed is a fireman hat. I don't think he does road games. You see Fireman Ed at MetLife Stadium. He won't. I don't think he'll be at Legion Stadium unless I'm wrong uh, about that. Fireman Ed, if you're listening to this podcast for some reason, let me know. Hit my line and let me know if you're going to be at the game. And he's not annoying. I'm kidding. He's 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 a first responder and appreciate his service. Obviously, of course. But he's no Raider super fan. I mean, it's just a. It's a it's a cavalcade he's, of of Raiders not, super fans. He's not the violator. He's not Gorilla Rilla. So, no, you know. none of those guys. I mean, go shout out to those guys. Raider. Shout out to those guys, by the way. Man, those guys do well. They have such a good business around. I mean, I respect that. Like, you turn your fandom. You love your team. You're gonna go. The fact that they've turned that into doing appearances and all that. I mean, that's much respect to that. I mean, it's 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 crazy. I, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for Mo to do it and paint his face and go out there. Oh my gosh! Once I retire from Bleacher Report, you'll see me at all the games in the front row with my Midtown Mo hoodie and some face paint on. That'll Midtown be my new Mo. thing. I can design the outfit for you. 
I'll have some like silver and black hair, whatever, you know. It'll be, you it'll gotta be grow cool. the natural. Gotta yeah. grow the natural. I'll have, I'll, I can't do the fro because that's Lucille. I don't want to take her identity <laughs> and be the male version. So I got to come up with something else. Maybe I'll just pop up with corn rolls or something like that. Oh, there you go. You could do that. Yes. Hey, whatever. Dreads. I love yeah. it. Yeah. We, we, we love all Raider Nation fans <laughs> and super fans. They're fun to watch and they get into it. Uh, they don't show them on TV as much anymore. I don't know what the deal is with that. I don't know what the TV networks have against these guys now. They used to show them all the time in Oakland. Now they won't show them in Vegas. I don't get it. Because they want to show the rich people in the, in the nice seats to get, you know, get people to come out. That's why. With the pinky rings out. Yeah. Sipping the, the, the wine spritzers. Eating quiche. <laughs> they, want the big, they want the big money. They want the big money. High rollers. That's right. That's right. All right. That's going to cut it out for us here on this edition of Silver and Black Today and Odyssey Original Podcast. Also, a radio show on The Bet in Las Vegas. Thank you guys for listening to us there on Saturday night. Uh, Mo, what do you got the rest of the week here? I know um, you, you talked about your Sports Not Pete's, which is already up. You have what, your Bleacher Report live before and after the game. What else are you doing besides going out and buying up all of the ketchup you can find? <laughs> I may actually, I haven't done a silver and black blitz in a while. Based on what happens in that Sunday game, I'll do a silver and black blitz because I asked on Tuesday, what do you think the Raiders record will be? I, asked, I just put it out there on the X. Now that they have a new head coach, what do you think their record will be? I didn't answer the question because I like to hear fans' opinions because I don't want my opinion swaying anyone else's opinion. But I'll give my opinion on what I think the records, Raiders record will be for the remainder of the season after the Jets game on a silver and black blitz. There you go. Look at that. Dropping it. Dropping new audio. Woo! Gotta like it. So stay mm -hmm. tuned for that. And by the way, for you to get the Silver and Black Blitz, you gotta make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Wherever you get your audio, just look for Silver and Black today. Hit us up with the subscription. It's free. Free. And also put on the auto download. That way you get it every time it comes. Also, YouTube, thanks to you guys on there. YouTube's been crazy lately, Mo. So many people coming in, new viewers. People just engaging in that chat. It's so much fun after the games. Post games are really tough for me because my mind is all over the place and I'm working on three different things at once. And so I wish I could just sit there in the chat. There's so much good stuff going on there. We might have to get somebody to be like our chat moderator because there's really good stuff going on there. Uh, and of course, Murph, when his sound works, uh, is good too. <laughs> when he's not in the parking lot full of uh, uh, Raider fans that are that are uh, uh, you know, pretty pretty out there because they've been they've been drinking this. So, uh, but anyway, we'll be back on Sunday night for us Monday morning to talk about the game as well. Uh, and so we just haven't Mo and I have been so damn busy, and I apologize. We will get to folks. Uh, we just haven't been able to do a mailbag. Um, we just not had the time to do it, unfortunately. But we will get to you. Uh, call us at 702-900-7869. That's 702-900-7869. And leave your message. Wait till after the game. Give us your comments. And then we will get... Uh, I promise. I'm promising right now, Mo. Even if I have to do it with like an AI voice where I'm sleeping and I'm just saying it out of the side of my mouth, we will get a, we will get a, a mailbag done next week. Nice promise to the people out there. They're going to hold, they're going to definitely hold you to it because they're going to oh, say, yes. Scott, they will. You're a liar. You're a fibber. We, we can't trust you. We got to trust Mo with the mailbags from now on because you promised us a mailbag show didn't happen. Yeah. So. <laughs> exactly. All right, my friend. Take care of yourself and we'll talk to you soon. Back Tuesday.
All right. For our producer, Mike Robier here at Odyssey and for Momotin, I'm Scott Branson. This has been Silver and Black today. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy Raiders versus Jets. National TV audience, Sunday night football. Have fun, everybody, and we will talk to you then.